Welcome, everybody. We are here in New Hope Radio. Glad to be with you today. On a series, I call it, It's Personal. <laughs> and we're talking about some issues that are personal, right? We talked last time about insecurity. That's personal. Oh, today we get another good one. Really personal. Glad you're with me today. You know, there are some things in life that go great together. You know what some of them are, right? Chocolate and peanut butter. <laughs> they go pretty good. Strawberries and whipped cream. That's a good one. How about this one? Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. Simon and Garfunkel. All those go well together. But there are some things that become mm, doubly toxic when you combine them. These things don't go well together. Today, we will cry out to God, Help! I'm resentful and angry. Did you ever do that? Did you ever cry out to God, Help! I'm resentful and angry. You see, resentment and anger, hey, they're bad when they stand alone. But when you put them together, look out. Things become even worse. We're going to look at a man named Naaman who demonstrates for us what it looks like to be resentful and angry. And see, that's what I like to do. When I teach, I like to take principles, but see how they are fleshed out in the lives of the Bible people. It's not just, we don't want to just talk about issues, but we want to see these issues acted out in the lives of people in the Scriptures and we can learn from them. That's what it's all about. That's why God gave it to us. So we're learning the Word of God, and we're learning principles for life at the very same time. It shouldn't be one or the other. It should be both of them at the very same time. Okay, we're going to see today, only until one releases that anger, resentment, can you really be set free. Okay? So, we're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 5. When the scene opens, we find Naaman with some wonderful qualities. Verse 1. Now, Naaman, captain of the army of the king of Aram, oh, he was a great man with his master and highly respected because by him the Lord had given victory to Aram. So we've got something going on here between Naaman and the Lord God. Was he a believer? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Could have been. But God found favor with him. Now, the man was also a valiant warrior, but he was a leper. So here's a little profile of Naaman. He was an army captain, a great man, highly respected, apparently walked with God, a valiant warrior, but afflicted with leprosy. And you know, leprosy in those days, man, is like, stay away. Don't come near me. And this shows us that there are good people, maybe even, I'm sure, godly people, who struggle with afflictions. Don't fall for the baloney that God's people don't get sick. That's baloney. God's people get sick. And, but you know what he does? 
He gives us the resources to think our way through. He doesn't always bring the healing. He doesn't punish us with sickness. But he gives us the resources, which are the Word of God and prayer. And these are the things that help us get through whatever storm that might be. So, godly people get sick, okay? Let's establish that right now. We will see that the affliction in his body was not as bad as the affliction in his soul. Oh, he had an affliction that was almost, at this point, undetected. And I wonder sometimes if God uses our body to draw attention to our soul. And again, that doesn't mean every sickness is something wrong with us spiritually. But there are times when God will get us, get our attention, so we can do a self-check. Okay? And I think that's the, that's the case with Naaman. Naaman's army had kidnapped a little girl from Israel, and she became the servant of Naaman's wife. And this little girl, as you will see, plays an important part in our story. Just a little girl, but she's got a major role. In verse 3, she said to her mistress, I wish that my master were with the prophet who's in Samaria. Then he would cure him of his leprosy. Now, this little girl has some knowledge. See how important it is for children to go to Sunday school, to get your kids in church, parents. Parents, you want your kids to grow up with a biblical foundation? You want them to be all messed up in the head? You've got to get them in church. Kids need to be in church where they can learn the scriptures. And this little girl, she understood the power of the prophets. She understood that they were men of God and they were there to help people. She learned that. And our kids need to learn things about the Lord himself. So don't be a slack parent. Get your kids in church. And by the way, get yourself in church too. So Naaman went to his king and he told him what the little girl said. Interesting note about this little girl. She's taken captive, she's in a foreign land, but she is, huh, still helpful. Hmm. You know, she wasn't like, oh, I hope Naaman dies. She wasn't like that. She said, oh, I wish he could go to the prophet. Prophet would help him. So the king said, okay, I'm going to send you, take this letter. The king wrote a letter. He said, take this letter and take some gold and silver and some clothing as a gift. So in verse 5, he brought the letter to the king of Israel. And he said, And now as this letter comes to you, behold, I have sent Naaman, my servant, to you, that you may cure him of his leprosy. Well, (laughs) you know what happened? When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes. Tearing your clothes in those days was a sign of grief. And he said, Am I God to kill and make alive? That this man is is sending word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? But consider now how he is seeking a quarrel against me. See, the king of Israel, he thought the king of Aram was trying to pick a fight by asking him to do something that he couldn't do. See, I think they got the message wrong. The little girl said, oh, I wish he could go to Samaria and see the prophet. But they sent him to the king. King's not a prophet. Prophet's not a king. That's why the king's like, no, man, this is not my job. This is, I don't do these things. So, But here's the point. When there is a problem, 
You know what you do? Seek out a man of God or even a woman of God, but somebody that's connected to God because it's far too often that people find themselves in a predicament and they fail to seek godly help. Now, they go everywhere else, but they don't go after godly help. And, you know, sometimes I think it's because they know what God's going to say or they know what God's man or woman is going to say, and they don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear. I got to forgive. I don't want to hear. I got to quit smoking. I don't want to hear. I got to be in church. I got to worship God. I don't want to hear that stuff. So you know what? They don't go. And they go to other places to try to find some kind of direction. Well, the prophet Elisha, he heard that the king had torn his clothes. So he sent word to him. He said, why have you torn your clothes? <laughs> In other words, wait a minute. Why did you react to this thing? See, he didn't even do what he should have done. He reacted instead of going to the man of God. Didn't I just say that? I just said if you have a predicament, go to a man or woman of God. The king didn't even do that. He tore a nice outfit. He could have just bought the thing. Maybe his wife got it for him for his birthday. Oh, honey, I got you this nice suit. Oh, it's beautiful. And he's wearing it. Here comes the letter. Oh, no. He rips his clothes. Oh, unbelievable. So Elisha heard about it. He said, listen, send the leper to me. And he will know that there's a prophet in Israel. So he sent Naaman. And Naaman came with his horses and his chariots. And he stood at the doorway of the house of Elisha. Now, let me ask you. How many of you have ever been to the doctor's office at least once? Probably everybody. How many of you brought all your friends <laughs> and made a caravan to the office? You called them all up. I'm going to the doctor's. Meet me outside. We're going to make a caravan. We're all going to the office. And then they all followed you and they came into the waiting room with you. And you have this huge entourage with you in the doctor's office. <laughs> well, you know what? That's what Naaman did. Naaman had an entourage. Because, you see, he liked a lot of pomp and circumstance. So when he went out to find the prophet, he had a whole entourage with him, his cavalry on horses, and, all, you know, and they were all going to come with him, and they caravaned to Samaria. Now, Elisha, he didn't even come out of the house. What? He didn't even come out. He sent a messenger. In verse 10, Elisha sent a messenger outside to Naaman. And he said, go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh will be restored, and you'll be clean. Now, I don't know about you, but when I go to the doctor, or even the dentist, I can't wait to get out of there. I don't hang around. I'm like, hurry up, get this thing over with. I want to get out of here as fast as I can. I'm like, tell me what to do and let me go home. That's how I feel when I go. Not Naaman. Oh, no, he's different. Remember, the affliction of his soul is greater than the affliction of his body. Okay, remember that. So in verse 11, when the, when the servant came out and said, Officer Naaman, Go in the Jordan and go dip in it seven times and you'll be clean. Naaman was furious. 
he burst out in an angry rage. Right? Remember, help me. I'm resentful and angry. Oh, and he was. And you know what he did? He went away. He, 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 he huffed and he puffed and he went away and he said, Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Oh, name in one of this big theatrical thing done upon him. You know, he wanted, he wanted to be the center of attention in this healing. Not God. Him. I wanted the prophet to come out and, you know, walk around and prance around and, and, and do the heebie-jeebies and pronounce all these things and boom, there I am. But you know, the Lord doesn't operate that way. Many times when Jesus did a healing, he did it in private. Remember the time he went into the house and he only took a couple of disciples with him, kept everybody out. And he raised the child. See, Jesus is not about pomp and circumstance. I see these fake guys on TV. They're all about pomp and circumstance. That's why I know they're fake. Because the attention's on them and not on the Lord. And it's all about, you know, they're the star of the show, not the Lord God. Don't fall for that stuff. I mean, come on. Well, I don't, it's like people check their brain at the door when they turn the TV on. Don't do that. And, of course, they go to third world nations where people are very innocent and believing and they exploit them and take advantage of them. That's okay. They'll get theirs. So Naaman thought, I thought the prophet would come out and do this all over me. He even said, you know what? He complained about the Jordan River. He said, man, there are, there are better waters and rivers that are cleaner. Why can't I go there? Why do I have to go into Jordan? Man, that, that water, yucky. It stinks. There's better rivers. Can I go? Can't, oh, here it comes. Can't I pick my own river? Sound familiar? Did you ever want to pick your own river when you go to God? Well, God, here's what I want you to do. But listen, we're going to do it this way. Like you want to pick your own river. And that's what Naaman wanted to do. He didn't want God to pick the river. He wanted to pick it himself. Well, you know what he did? He turned and he went away in a rage. Oh, this guy was ticked off. He was angry. Now, here is what resentment and anger do. You know what they do? They keep you from being free. That's what they do. For Naaman, it would be free from leprosy. Naaman made this journey because he wanted to be free from leprosy. But because the freedom wasn't coming the way he wanted it to be, he was going to stay a prisoner of leprosy. You see, that's what anger and resentment will do. The old saying, cut off your nose to spite your face, that's what he did. Now, freedom for us would be free to live life. Jesus died to make us free, free from the judgment of sin, free from the power of sin, and free to live the abundant life. That's why he came and gave us freedom. So Naaman didn't realize that as a prophet, Elijah spoke for God. It wasn't Elijah that gave this remedy. It was God. God is saying through Elisha, this is how we're going to cure your leprosy. Go in the Jordan 
Go jump in the river seven times. Come on out and you'll be squeaky clean like a little baby. This is why, here it comes, and I know you're, you're going to miss it. Don't miss it. This is why we must continue to go to the scriptures for our guidance if we want to be free to live life. Elisha spoke for God. God spoke through Elisha. He speaks to us through his word. He doesn't speak to you through a tree. He speaks to you through his word. So we continually go to the scriptures so we can hear God's voice and get the guidance that we need. And you know what we have a, uh, a famine of today? Actual Bible teaching. We do. People go to church, and I don't care how big the church is. Many of them are mega churches. And you know what they get? Motivational speeches on how to be happy and how to be blessed and how to be this and how to be that. How many people are learning the scriptures? How many are learning the Bible stories like we teach on New Hope Radio every day? Yes, we teach the principles for life, but we, we back it up with scriptures and Bible characters and stories and watch them all come together and come to life. And there is a famine today in churches, even the big popular guys, of teaching the Word of God. They're not teaching the Bible. They're using scriptures in the Bible to formulate a message so people can be happy. But you don't hear sin. You don't hear the cross. You don't hear die to yourself daily. You don't hear go the extra mile. You don't hear the things that make the Christian life different from everything else. All it is is having a better non-regenerate life. That's what it comes down to. So Naaman, he's, he's hot. He's like, I'm out of here. But Naaman's servant, his servant came. And he made sense out of what Elijah had said so Naaman could understand it. Verse 13, the servant came near and spoke to him and said, my father, not that he was his father, but he called him that. It's a respect, a term of respect. My father, had the prophet told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? You know, if he told you to go kill a bear, climb that mountain, wrestle a lion, would you have done it? Probably be like, well, yeah, I would have done that. Well, then he said, well, how much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? Look how simple. Look how easy that was. Just go. He gave you an easy thing to do. Why don't you do it? It's so easy. So, verse 14, he went down and he dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And you know what happened? Because he finally was obedient to what God said through the prophet, oh, his flesh was restored, like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Wow. See how simple? Things simplify when you follow the scriptures. It's that easy. Things are simple when you follow the word of God. So what can we learn from Naaman? Okay, I love these Old Testament stories because there's so much to learn. Here's some things we can learn. Number one, resentment comes from being injured or offended. Naaman was offended. 
He expected to be treated like a celebrity, and he wasn't. He wanted pomp and circumstance, and he didn't get it. For us, we can be offended by someone, and resentment will begin to grow inside of our soul. Whether they meant that offense or they didn't, it really doesn't matter. What matters is, are we allowing it to grow inside of our soul? Number two, anger is the offspring of resentment. Yeah. See, resentment is like the, the thought. Resent, anger becomes the action. Okay? Anger is the response to the offense. So you're thinking and thinking and thinking about how much you hate somebody. And then you get so angry, you just do something. That's why it's such a toxic combination. If you have anger and resentment, thirdly, it is not justified. You know why? It only hurts you. That's all. It only hurts you. It doesn't hurt the person that you're angry toward. They might not even know. <laughs> they, they, they might not even know how angry you really are. But you're the one that feels it. Then number four, like I said, the other person, they, they could be totally innocent to the whole thing. And probably, if they knew they offended you, if they had a heart, they would apologize. They would come in and say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to offend you like that. I didn't know that that offended you. They would do that. And then fifthly, here it comes. Maintaining resentment and anger keeps you from living free. Oh, you know why? Because you don't, want, you, you don't even want to hear their name. You don't even want to see them at the party. If you see them in the grocery store coming down the aisle, you turn around, you go the other way. You go down a different aisle. And you might walk out of the store not even buying the thing you wanted because they were in that aisle. <laughs> that ever happened to you? Believe me, people do it. They call you up and you look at caller ID. Forget about it. <laughs> and you're a prisoner. You're not free. So who wins? You don't, that's for sure. When you maintain resentment, you lose. Number six. I like this one. The cure is easier than you think. Naaman's cure was so easy and so secure for resentment. You don't have to carry it. You don't have to let it own you and have its way. Number seven, humility of heart is what is needed to follow God's divine prescription for anger and resentment. What do I need to overcome resentment? Humility. Humility of heart. A heart that's willing to learn. A heart that's willing to change. A heart that's not going to fight, fight, fight. But a heart that says, you know what, Lord? Show me. I want to learn. I want to learn from this. Show me how to overcome the resentment and the anger that wants to take over my soul. And you know, number eight. God doesn't want his children to live this way. And hopefully neither do you. Hopefully you don't want to live filled with anger and resentment. I mean, for some people, maybe they wouldn't know what to do if they didn't have it. But you don't want to live that way. You want to be free. 
In John 8, 31, Jesus was saying to the Jews who believed, here it comes. Here's one of the beautiful benefits of being a believer in Christ. Here's what he said. If you continue in my word, see that word continue? Oh, yeah. Then you are truly disciples of mine. You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. See, not your truth, his truth. Oh, we all want to interject our truth, like Naaman. No, man, I got my truth. Well, Naaman, your truth is not going to heal you. Your truth wants a parade. Your truth wants pomp and circumstance. Your truth wants something great. No, God's truth is just simple. It's simple and to the point. And then Jesus said, So, if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. And you know what indeed means? It means really. You'll be free, really. <laughs> it means of a truth. You'll be free of a truth. Oh, it's truthful. So, you know what I say? Release what's holding you back. And you will be really free. Release it. Again, humility. Humility says, I'm teachable. I don't have all the answers. I'm willing to learn a new way to handle particular life situations. That's what that means. Don't be stuck in a rut and be the same person all the time. And you're never willing to learn anything new about how to handle the situations of life. You know, life is fluid. It's always moving. And we have to be flexible too. And we have to go with the flow sometimes. And, and learn. Learn from God. Learn from His Word. How to handle things that seem to be working against us. Because that's how we fight that resentment, that anger that wants to control us. It wants to poison us and stop us from being free. want to be free, right? Of course you do. That's why you listen to New Hope Radio. I want to be free. Well, God will make you free. Stick with the scriptures. They're your best friend. Stick with the word. Hey, listen, you can find our podcast, the Hope Club Podcast. Type it in. It'll lead you to it anywhere. Just type it in. It's on our website also, newhopecc.tv. And get the messages. Listen to them on the way to work, on the way home. When you're, out, when you're out running errands and uh, continuing the word, and it'll make you free, okay? So that's the word that I have for you today. And join the Hope Club. It's so important. Get those daily devotionals Monday through Friday. Thanks for coming along today. I'll see you next time for more of New Hope Radio.